presented in the House of Commons about repealing Bill C-36, which uh, created some legislation around sex work in uh, 2014 and was supposed to be reviewed five years after that, but it wasn't reviewed. And critics say that it actually does a lot of harm to sex workers in accessing dignity and safety in their work. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit more. Before we do, I wanted to share with you that Touchstones uh, has a project going on that you might want to hear about. So uh, Touchstones is the Museum of Art and History in Nelson, and in partnership with Kootenai Pride and the queer community, they are mounting a historical exhibition on the legacy of LGBTQ2S plus folks in the Kootenays this summer. And they're reaching out to the community for stories, photos, and artifacts to include in the show. This exhibition will explore the celebrations and the challenges facing the local pride movement throughout the last 50 years and highlight the considerable contribution the queer community has made to the region. Stories can be submitted to museum curator Aaron Fay at curator at touchstonesnelson.ca. You can also call 250-352-9813 and the deadline for submissions is June 15th. You can also submit anonymously if that is better for you. So before we get any further in the show, we're going to play a track by Astu, who is an Oakland-based musician who blends retro soul 90s R&B pastiche and new wave inspired synth party and life experience. So here is G for you. I'm Stephanie and this is Axel and... Um, you are listening to Query, the queerest uh, radio hour on Cooney Co-op Radio, and you're listening at 93.5 FM in Nelson and uh, 96.5 FM in Crawford Bay, 107.5 FM in New Denver, and 101.5 in Slocan and Castlegar. We are um, truly honored to be recording on the unseated traditional territories of the Sinaiics peoples who are not extinct. And today we will be talking about Bill C-36 and um, sex work in Canada. So this is a disclaimer to know that we will be talking about sex work. And if this isn't something that you're ready to hear about right now, then that is okay. And uh, we encourage you to listen to another radio station. Uh, we have a special guest today as well to help us uh, unpack some of these topics, and um, it's Haley Heartless. Uh, Haley is a community organizer and sex worker activist. So, hello, Haley, uh, and welcome to Query. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm joining from the uh, Kakite First Nation, which is uh, also known as New Westminster, and I'm glad to be on the show. Thank you. So yeah, the reason that we wanted to talk about this was that um, there's been a recent petition. Uh, Stephanie, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, maybe I should back up a little bit. Well, well, okay, we'll go ahead and talk about the petition and then we'll talk about Bill C-36 perhaps. So um, Bill 30, 
Bill C-36 is a bill that went into law in 2014. And um, in January of this year, a petition was started to repeal this bill. And it was presented to the House of Commons on April 21st, which was just last week. And um, the government has 45 days to respond to this petition, which is, uh, according to my calculations, June 5th. And so we're talking about um, Bill C-36 and um, the exciting prospect of that bill being repealed. So um, I guess we can talk about Bill C-36 Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I created the Protection of Communities and Exploited Persons Act, uh, which has some legislation around sex work, and um, it basically, it criminalizes buying sex, the purchase of sex, and various uh, various things involving um, the sex industry. Um, and though it doesn't directly criminalize uh, selling sex or being a sex worker, um, it does so in a roundabout way and makes that um, various piece, pieces involved um, illegal and, and creates lots of barriers and safety risks, which we're going to kind of get into a little bit more. Yeah. So um, what, uh, what it was attempting to do was... Um, basically bring the Nordic model to Canada. And the Nordic model is this sort of um, idea that um, sex workers uh, are victims and need to be protected. And the way to protect them is through police. Um, It's sort of an invitation of more policing into the lives of sex workers. And so it doesn't criminalize sex work specifically it doesn't criminalize the sale of sex work because they they believe that you're you're a victim if you're selling sex it does criminalize the purchase of sex um it criminalizes supporting sex workers uh living off of sex workers so um being a manager um being a driver being a security guard running uh any service specifically for sex workers, uh, client screening services, um, any sort of support service for sex workers. Uh, it criminalizes, um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't think the Canadian law so much does, but in some areas, uh, Nordic model can criminalize being the partner of a sex worker because you're mm-hmm. receiving a material benefit uh, from from their sexual services, like splitting the rent. Um, It can criminalize working together. Uh, So, you know, uh, you might not, you might be a victim, you might be seen as a victim because you're selling sex, but because you're doing a a duo, uh, you know, or working with someone else, having a threesome, um, you're, you're selling sex, you're a victim, but you're also working with someone and you're exploiting that person you're working with mm-hmm. so you're you're also committing a crime um that's that's kind of the the, the logic of that uh which I, it doesn't really make sense because they're also a victim uh and they're also committing a crime as well because they're working with you so uh right. yeah so that's what the nordic model sort of attempts to do um mm-hmm. 
And one of the issues with the Nordic model in Canada is that in Canada, we have charter rights like the um, guaranteed right to the safety of the, of the, the person. So you're allowed to, you have, you have a charter right to safety. Um, so the Nordic model is not really compatible with that. Mm. And the reasons the previous laws were struck down was because of that. So then, so bringing in, in laws that sort of um, mimic the Nordic model or based off of the Nordic model doesn't really affect that. And that's how these, uh, you know, that's that's why this current law kind of fails mainly for the reasons that the last one failed and because it failed to um, address the problems that the courts found with the last uh, set of sex work laws. Um, yeah, so it's honestly, it's really, it, it's not criminalizing sex work, but it's creating, it's making it so difficult to um, be a sex worker that it's sort of uh, de facto criminalized, is it? I mean, there's a lot of issues with it. I could go into how it actually ends up hurting sex workers more than it ends up helping them. Yeah, that would be fantastic because I think um, maybe we could back up a tiny bit and talk about um, like what exactly is sex work um, and what kind of work constitutes sex work um, in the law and maybe within the sex work community, like what's what kind of work is considered sex work? Yeah, I mean, so sex work is kind of an umbrella term and it can include um, anything from stripping, which is obviously legal, but has a whole legal framework around it. Um, creating erotic videos, running an OnlyFans account. Um, it can be, uh, you know, working as a professional dominatrix, um, which has its own set of legal issues uh, aside from, from uh, uh, sex work laws. Uh, it can be, uh, you know, being an escort uh, or being a street level sex worker working on the street. Um, generally, when we say sex work, we don't really um, mean uh, anything that's exploitation. Um, you know, there's there's certain uh, there's certain um, things that are 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 kind of a, a a blurred line. So, but usually, if somebody's being forced into it or being traded uh, and not doing it of their own free will. Um, that would be more like uh, under commercial sexual exploitation, which is kind of um, a different thing from sex work. But there's some people that that uh, you know um, sometimes it's it's difficult to tell the difference between the two. There are certainly forms of sex work that are very exploitative as well. Yeah, I feel like that would be a really important distinction to make when you're trying to create laws um, that do or do not protect people um, and, you know, certain sacrifices around people's agency have been made um, in the current laws that we have. Um, where, as you were saying about kind of the Nordic model, it's like, you're not really seen as a autonomous person making a decision about, um, you know, what you wanna do with um, your life. <laughs> and, and there's this kind of assumption that you're a victim or you've somehow been victimized um, rather than kind of 
being a freely independent person who chooses to do sex work. Yeah, and I think there's definitely like um, this idea that it's either exploitative or it's either um, empowering. And and if you're if you're not a victim, then you're like this happy hooker sort of thing. You're this like you know spoiled jet setting escort. And I mean, as a, as an organizer, as a union organizer um, for sex workers, the sort of sex workers that I work with generally sort of you know there's some who i would say are probably being exploited um there's certain situations you find yourself in that are exploitative and there's some who are definitely very privileged but i think a vast majority of the sex workers that i know are kind of just people who have a job and sometimes they don't like the job and sometimes they really love the job you know it, it just seems to kind of be like a a another like I'd say blue collar sort of thing you know you might get paid a lot it might seem like you're getting paid a lot but generally you know for every hour you're working you're doing a lot of advertising you're spending money uh you know you're on social media um you're putting up ads um you're you know setting up your in-call doing laundry so it ends up it seems like it ends up being you know most people are kind of like middle class lower middle class in the industry i would say that would be the vast majority of uh escorts mm -hmm. at least here in vancouver so it sounds like like sex work has a uh, quite a large um variety of like what that work kind of looks like and um we it, like as allies and um, folks that are working in the industry use the word sex work. Um, and what one of the things we wanted to talk about was like why the word prostitution isn't really used and, um, and instead we're using words like sex work and uh, the sex industry and that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, sex work. Uh, generally, like it was, it was a term that was sort of um, brought up to really reframe sex work as actually being work. Um, the term prostitution has a lot of um, connotations of like victimhood and and uh, um, exploitation uh, and shame associated with it. Um, it's mm -hmm. a sort of word that's used uh, in a derogatory term quite a bit. Um, it's also. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it's used by a lot of like second wave feminists to imply victimhood. They won't say you're a sex worker. They'll say you're a prostituted woman. Um, and so it's like something that's being done to you. Um, mm -hmm. It's not something that, that you have agency or control over. Um, that said, I mean, there are, there are definitely people that still use the term prostitute to refer to themselves. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's a matter of, uh, your comfort level but I think if you were meeting a sex worker for the first time I think sex worker would probably be the sort of uh, uh, safe term to use before you knew what somebody was comfortable with uh, self-identifying with. Definitely yeah I appreciate that like kind of neutralizing and and as you said like acknowledging that it's work um, and that kind of ties back to the other piece around like you know the majority of people who um, 
see it as a job and it's like you know we don't all love our jobs all the time every day um and many many workplaces can be exploitative um it's not just like um yeah certain certain type, types of sex work and and trafficking that are exploitative like capitalism is exploitative that is how our society is kind of organized um so i appreciate that kind of um reframe i guess Mm-hmm. And I mean, even just certain like days can feel exploitative. You can mm-hmm. have a bad day. You can have a client that stays past their time. You have people that push boundaries. You have people that try and, uh, uh, you know, keep you busy on social media or text messages, asking all these questions when they don't intend to book. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, you haven't made any money, you know? So there's, there's you know, days like that, you definitely you, you feel like it's a bit more exploitative and then some days you end up with uh you know one client all day that doesn't want to do much but talk and uh or or you end up with uh somebody who just wants wants somebody to touch them and it feels like you're doing something really great you know mm-hmm. yeah many many different uh ways of being human with other humans mm-hmm um maybe let's have a little song break uh and then we'll be right back i know we were going to talk more about uh the legislation that we have right now in canada and how specifically it's uh harming and not helping people so here is a little song and we'll be right back that last song was you don't know me by story who's a canadian musician Story is pansexual and was coerced into sex work and then transitioned into the music industry. And now we'll get right back to our conversation. Hello, Cooney Co-op Radio. You are listening to Query, and uh, we are talking about sex work today. We're here joined by Haley Hartless, who is a sex work activist and professional transgender dominatrix, uh, who's joining us from new westminster and uh it's axel and steph your query hosts uh having this convo and um we were just gonna get more into the different uh frameworks for legal uh protection and not protection around sex work and different models of that whether that's legalization criminalization or decriminalization and hoping that Haley can help unpack some of those terms and ideas for us. Yeah, so um, I guess we could start what we have. Actually, I'll, I'll start with before the current laws. Before the current laws, um, sex work in Canada was mainly criminalized. Uh, it was illegal to buy sex. It was illegal to sell sex. It was illegal to um, do any support services for sex workers. Um, that was struck down as a charter violation in Canada um, on account of the fact that sex workers aren't really doing anything that's against uh, the charter um, and that the existence of those laws denies sex workers uh, the right to safety of the person um, and, and, and the right to, to sort of uh, work and uh, be happy. Uh, so those laws were struck down and then the um, conservative government uh, created new a new set of laws um, based on the Nordic model. Um, so, and as a broad um, 
term we call these these laws uh, asymmetric criminalization, which means uh, one side of the uh, transaction is criminalized and the other side is uh, decriminalized. So it's legal to sell sex. Um, it's not legal to buy sex. It's not legal to support sex workers. And yeah, that ends up just creating a, a lot of uh, issues where sex work becomes more dangerous. Clients are afraid of negotiating. They don't want to say what they want. So you can't really consent to it. You can't, you don't know what they want until they show up. Um, they're afraid to communicate by text. They're afraid to communicate out in the open where other people can see them. Um, they're afraid of getting arrested. They're afraid of the police. Um, it also creates issues for sex workers because um, you end up having these uh, anti-trafficking raids where uh, you'll have police organizations book dates. You'll get a babysitter for the night. You'll do your makeup you'll think I'm I'm gonna make money I'm gonna pay rent and you show up and it's a bunch of it's a bunch of guys and they're not wearing their police uniforms because they don't want to scare you so you go into a hotel room some guys close the door behind you and they're like we're here to get you out of this life are you being exploited here's some you know candy like here's a, a bag of candy and condoms and like l let's help you out and, and it's terrifying um and if you're in Canada illegally, then they arrest you and, and deport you. Um, if you're a Canadian citizen, they generally let you go and you don't have any money uh, for the night and you're traumatized. Uh, and so that's the model we have in Canada right now. Um, there's uh, a couple other models that exist throughout the world. Um, legalization exists in some parts of Europe. Uh, generally, what legalization does is it creates uh, a very sort of specific framework in which sex work is allowed to happen. Usually, it involves a lot of red tape. Um, you have to pass certain uh, tests, go through certain screening, get a license. Quite often, you have to self-isolate once you get that license. So you might um, belong to a brothel. And while you're working, you have to stay at that brothel. You can't go out because if you go out, you might invalidate the results of a recent STD test. Um, you, in, in systems like that, generally the licenses are really expensive. They're owned by rich men and given out to the type of women that rich men like. So you, you end up with uh, agencies uh, or, or brothels where Everyone really fits the specific image, uh, you know, of uh, of that brand, almost kind of like how, uh, you know, a certain chain of restaurants might have the same clown at every location, uh, that sort of idea. Um, so uh, that's that's legalization. What ends up happening is you have sex workers who can't jump through those hoops, so then they end up working illegally. Um, it creates even more risk for them because there's enforcement officers to make sure you are working legally. Um, and, you know, if you're transgender, if you're a person of color, if you're overweight, um, if you're a drug user or you have HIV, uh, you can't legally work. And the conditions you work under are much, much worse than if you had just been in uh, a criminalized uh, country instead. Um, because you're working illegally, you're working under the radar. And it's the same with migrant and immigrant sex workers. 
Um, then there's decriminalization. And the most popular example of that is New Zealand. Decriminalization um, basically takes the red tape away. So there's no licensing, um, but there's also no uh, official framework for it. Um, so what that allows, it does allow people to run businesses if they want. It also allows people to work independently or create co-ops, join unions, access um, health and safety uh, rights um, uh, in organizations, uh, kind of almost like work safe. Um, but uh, uh, I mean, here in Canada now, you can't actually access work safe. It's just really difficult if you're a sex worker. Um, it lets, uh, yeah, so, so decriminalization basically um, is, is kind of the, um, the uh, it, it's, it's, it's the model that most sex workers are pushing for because it seems to give most of the uh, powers to sex workers. A lot of nonprofits are pushing for it as well because it gives a lot of um, powers to nonprofits, uh, whether it's to support sex workers on the street, um, give sex workers shelter, create bad date lists, or help sex workers transition out of sex work. Um, it gives them a lot of uh, leeway to do that work without fear of breaking the law. That's wonderful. I hope that that's something that Canada could take on the decriminalization um, route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems the most uh, destigmatizing as well, in a way, because legalization, it sounds like, creates this whole other thing um, that while creating kind of an above board government sanctioned uh, sex industry, um, then at the same time creates that um, black market illegal yeah. side of things that's really dangerous for people. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people, uh, if they're not familiar with sex worker rights, they seem to think like, full they, they want to say oh, full legalization we need full legalization and they really push strong for that because you know we're raised in a system that believes that legal the the legal system and cops and and colonies and the crown are like the highest thing to aspire to so we need full criminalization or we need full legalization and uh they they think that they're like doing you a solid like they're, or they're one-upping you when you say when you advocate for decriminalization mm. they think they're like no i want to take it even farther but it's like no no we don't want we don't want to invite cops into our lives like we want, we're trying to get rid of it we're trying to push the cops as far away as possible mm -hmm. and that's what decriminalization does is it, it um, pushes the cops uh further away from us because if you give cops those tools to to be able to uh scrutinize and pick apart the the industry they will in, in really awful ways Mm -hmm. And then it sounds like it also empowers community organizations to be able to support people better, um, whether like whatever that looks like, whether that's helping them find ways to transition out or, or just supporting them in accessing safe working environments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, here in Canada in the labor movement, one of the things that, um, unions have been afraid of uh, with organizing sex workers is the the legal framework. And lately, at least here in BC, it's not as big of a concern. A lot of unions are starting to say, you know, let them arrest us. Like, what are they going to do? Like, like, are, are they, are, is the RCMP going to raid 
a major union headquarters and take all our membership files, like let them do that. We'll see how that goes over. Um, just because of the climate of, of labor here in Canada now in, in the year 2020, it, it would be a very bad look for the RCMP to do that. So mm -hmm. it seems like now at least, like in the last 10 years, unions are more willing to take the risk, but certainly if there was uh, decriminalization, it would be a lot easier for sex workers to join a union or, or maybe even create a union and aff affiliate to the, the house of labor, which is something that I'm, I'm really involved in. No, oh, that's really exciting. I like that. <laughs> we are going to play another song now. This next song is by a group called Copy Slut. They are based in Oakland, and this song is a money-making protection spell for sex workers. So enjoy Hooker Homecoming. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Query. And today we are talking with Haley Hartless, who's a sex worker activist on uh, sex work in Canada and the legislation. There is a recent petition that was brought to the House of Commons uh, about repealing Bill C-36, which uh, created the laws that we have in Canada around sex work. And there's a lot of... Um, thoughts about these the this legislation that um, it's actually harmful um, to sex workers and their right to dignity and safety in their work um, and the people that support them are criminalized and there's lots of issues that we've talked about um, and so we wanted to get into kind of so what is the process here? This bill came into effect in 2014. There was supposed to be a review process in five years. So that would have been 2019. That didn't happen. And now there's been various court challenges um, in Ontario where um, people are basically saying the laws as they are um, are un unconstitutional because they do not protect people's chartered right to safety of person. So Haley, what would happen if the government had to repeal this bill or the court said this is unconstitutional? Like what happens then? Do we just have a vacuum with no laws and, and mayhem? So, um... Yeah, so I, I, it, it could go a few ways. Um, if it's repealed by the government, they could, um, they'd have a lot more control over what happens. They could introduce a new set of laws as they repealed it um, and have a really smooth transition that way. If it's repealed by a judge, um, the judge could just... Uh, you know, it, it's not just one law. There's a series of laws... Um, and what we've seen is where uh, judges have said certain laws um, don't uh, don't meet the uh, the the charter uh, you know rights. Um, sometimes they just say this law is no longer enforceable, um, which they could do with parts of it, which basically erases that law and creates a vacuum of law of a law there. So you know if it was something like um, advertising and other sexual services, and a judge says no, that's um, not uh, that that's not compatible with the charter, he could say, um, you know, uh, it's not enforceable, 
And so now it's not against the law. And so now you can advertise someone else's sexual services without it um, breaking the law. Um, or they could do what they did the last time they repealed those laws and said, um, you know, it, it doesn't fit uh, with the charter, but in order to avoid a free-for-all, we're going to keep them in force for a year while you guys figure out what does work. Um, that's probably much more likely. Uh, but I mean, we've already seen um, judges uh, take certain parts of, of the current sex work laws and just uh, say um, immediately, no, this isn't, this isn't uh, uh, kosher. It doesn't fit with our doesn't fit with our charter of rights so uh, effective immediately. It's it's no longer enforceable. Um, I think the best way to do it would be for the government to to repeal it through an act of legislation um, and actually do the research and find out uh, what laws both fit with the charter and actually uh, work the best for sex workers, for migrant sex workers. Um, and for trafficked persons, uh, I think that's probably the best approach rather than being forced by the government. It might not be politically the best approach, though. The, the liberal government might just be waiting for the courts to say, um, you know, to, to strike it down so that they can pretend that they didn't have a choice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of great ideas out there. And I think many, um, many organizations and activists who have, you know, been involved in research. And, you know, I was um, reading a lot from the Canadian Alliance for Sex Work Reform, uh, sorry, Sex Work Law Reform. And um, yeah, they have like a ton of resources. So um, if there's anyone listening who wants to learn more about this topic and kind of what are the um, recommendations based on like research of like what um, what keeps people safe and what you know gives people dignity um, in different countries like New Zealand has has decriminalized as we were talking about and um, I think that um, yeah there's there's maybe sort of a moral fear that if sex work is decriminalized or um, the the government and police aren't actively involved in um, in criminalizing sex work that like it'll just explode and there'll be a lot of exploitation and there's kind of a lot of fear mongering around that um and do you have any thoughts on why that is Haley? like why do people care so much about sex work and and like cracking down i think um well, I think here in Canada, we've seen a lot of examples of what happens when sex work is over-policed. We've seen a lot of people be, uh, you know, uh, working in unsafe conditions, a lot of people being exploited, a lot of people being moved around the country uh, by pimps to do sex work. And we see that and we're like, that's really bad. That needs to be made illegal. Um, when it's already when it was already illegal when it was happening and that's why it was happening was because it was illegal was because people were afraid to work with the police or community organizations um i think that's part of it i think there's a lot of people who um just feel uh you know that sexual labor is is something that's like sacred uh like 
sort of part of like a sacred feminine and it shouldn't be um you know it shouldn't be uh uh part of capitalism it shouldn't be um you know uh uh, subject to capitalism, like the, the, there's almost like a Marxist idea about it. Um, and I think, you know, that sounds great for after the revolution, maybe, but <laughs> we're not quite there yet. In the meantime, like we have to feed our families and pay rent. So um, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe once the, the communist utopia arrives and we're all flying the red banner we can talk about uh getting capitalism out of the bedroom but for now um you can't tell certain workers that they're not allowed to have safety and rights and other workers that they are um you know we're all workers we're all working class people um we should be allowed to do our jobs to do what we have to do to feed our families and pay rent <sighs> Mm -hmm. and it, it makes me think too you know like I um I know people who have done sex work with people with disabilities who like may not be able to access their sexuality um because of ableism and just society um and that that's like a entry point and like yeah, I don't know, just to say that it's obviously a complex and and even as we said the word the term sex work is like a, a large umbrella that covers a lot of different things. Um, and so to kind of simplify and, you know, have like a, a moral judgment um, on this huge like universe of, of things is like not really helpful. Yeah. And it, there's, there's a, like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to see a sex worker. You could see a sex worker because, um, you know, of body image issues you can see a sex worker. I, as a transgender dominatrix, I have a lot of people who see me because it's the only chance they get to dress up as a woman and feel pretty. Um, you know, maybe they got married before they had their gender identity figured out. And now they're, you know, in a situation where they have kids and the wife doesn't want to do the girly stuff. So she says, well, go see a dominatrix. Um, and he comes and sees me and and uh, he can do that uh, in a safe environment where she feels that, you know, uh, he's not going to go off and, and do whatever he, he does uh, in a way that's not uncontrolled or whatever, you know. Um, and, and then there's some people that a lot of people who see me that um, it's 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 a bit softer as well like they're afraid of their gender identity or their gender questions and they just want somebody to say that they're pretty and and touch them softly and touch them in a way uh that is more gender affirming than they've ever had with a partner mm, that's so beautiful <laughs> I don't yeah, know. If this, we were, we were going to talk about the law. We we're going to talk about sex work law, and then we just started talking about all this gay stuff, which is kind of <laughs> great. <laughs> I mean, it's very query. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like I feel like as a sex educator, I'm always bumping up against people's um, fears around sexuality um, and expressing their sexuality or expressing their gender or like making room for other people to be expressing their gender and sexuality and 
um, we're all sexual beings, even even um, folks who are on the asexual spectrum. That's that's um, asexuality, right? Like it is a type of sexuality. We are all sexual beings, and so it it's really, I think it's a a beautiful way that I I sincerely hope that we're evolving to make room for sex work because it's just another form of sexual expression I think and that like you know decriminalizing sex work isn't going to um mean that like everybody's gonna be like hey I want to be a sex worker now because I don't think that that's an occupation that everybody wants to be like a part of and I don't (laughs) think that that has to do with um, whether or not it's legal. I think it's just like, you know, some, some people are very, um, you know, uh, made out to be really great with children and other people can't stand being around children. And, you know, and some people, um, think that teeth are gross and other people want to be dentists. And I don't really see how there's a difference between those things. You know, some people are, are, would find sex work, uh, uh, an occupation that they would find really enjoyable and then other people wouldn't. Yeah. And I mean, even after um, decriminalization, there's still, um, I mean, there's still stigma, obviously there's, there's stigma that's going to drive people away from it. But I think even if you destigmatize that there's just certain people who don't have that relationship with their body where they can have sex with people they uh, don't know or, or haven't met or only know through a text message or, or uh, through the internet. Um, and then there's some people who really enjoy it. Uh, they like the freedom it gives them. They like being able to, you know, raise their family or, or take classes or whatever, or just not work very much. That's valid too, you know, or maybe work a lot and do things they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Um, and yeah, I mean, for a lot of like, there are people who who just like sex that's a thing there's people that enjoy sex and like having sex with people um and doing sex things to people or with people um and that's fine you know and those people should be allowed to make money off of the you know what they love to do mm-hmm. yeah what happens between two consenting adults is mm. nobody's business <laughs> but but those two people that's what I think. Yeah. Really, there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us and helping us understand more about this very complex and fascinating topic, Haley. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely talking to you guys. Thanks everybody for listening to this conversation with Haley Heartless, a professional trans dominatrix and sex worker activist. We are here every other Sunday at noon, alternating with a new show on Kootenai Co-op Radio called What If? So maybe listen to that one if you are tuning in and expecting Query, because it's a show about environmental and social justice. We've got one more song for you and just wanted to also share if you want to learn more about sex work law reform, you can check out the Canadian Alliance for Sex Work Law Reform and Pace Society. Those are some great organizations doing important work on this topic. Now here is a anthem for change. This is Show Up by Toronto-based artist Aza. Thanks for listening. <laughs>